0: a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech players in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Breaking Banks Europe, the European edition of Breaking Banks, the number one fintech fintech podcast worldwide. I am Paolo Cironi, your host today, for an entertaining episode uh, titled innovation in capital markets. Now, if you know about my career, I started in capital markets for 15 years. I was head of quantitative risk management for investment banking institutions. And I remember when I started in the 1990s, that it was all about financial innovation. So I would say that between the 1990s and 2010, the topic was creating new contracts and creating new payoffs innovating with quantitative methods. Then we saw the global financial crisis starting in 2008 and the things shifted. Between 2010 and 2020, I think it was all about FinTech innovation. So how to use technology to transform the relationship between banks and clients. But right now, starting from 2020 more or less, it seems that we're entering into a new phase of innovation, which is taking capital markets by storm, in particular is all about unbundling and rebundling on the centralized finance. So we cannot miss today to have a conversation with some relevant speakers about what is coming next. Also looking at new ways of investing our money, a new search for value, a new search for sharing this value. So today we have two guests in the show. We have two different conversations, starting from Mariam Madby, the founder and CEO of Value Comatrix in the first half of the show. We'll have a little break and we we'll join back with Rami El-Dokhani, Bokani, is the secretary general of the AFCM, the Arab Federation of Capital Markets. But let's start a conversation today with Mariam Matti, who I invited to join me on Breaking Banks Europe, this 115th episode on capital markets innovation. Welcome Mariam.
1: Hi, Paolo. Thank you uh, for the invitation. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for being around. So my name is Mariam. Um, I'm an engineer by background. I, I did a master finance and worked uh, in financial markets for about 13 years, mostly on uh, equity derivative structuring and uh, institutional coverage. Today, um, the idea is to share uh, our long-term vision uh, with you, namely the, the links between uh, uh, CBDC and values um, so um, what what we see in the future is that we will have uh, a digital uh, national or European currency at some point and in that digital currency we will have uh, embedded an algorithm that will be able to compute ESG uh, uh, cost and impact so everything related to environment, society and governance and other sustainability factors.
0: So Mariem, your uh, introductory sentence contains so many other links. I'm sure that this conversation will be very enriching. Let's start from you. You're based in Paris and you're a fintech entrepreneur.
1: Yes, I'm based in Paris and I'm a fintech entrepreneur. Uh, We just launched actually uh, the fintech in September. And we are now uh, working with the whole uh, ESG community. Uh, So namely asset managers, uh, asset manager associations, but also research institutes and uh, international organizations, both on um, searching new um, ESG integration into uh, valuations, both uh, capital valuation and financial market valuations and uh, also doing research on uh, 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 blockchain and uh, searching the possibility of uh, uh, executing this long-term vision.
0: Okay, let's start from uh, the ESG discussion uh, and let's frame it in terms of uh, the definition of value. We had uh, a Breaking Banks Europe uh, episode uh, recently about ESG. We discussed value and values. now. You started your career as uh, a derivatives uh, uh, structure or trader, so was a quantitative finance. There is uh, a belief, which is not well posed uh, in capital markets, that prices uh, contain everything about the future and information about the future. Now, I do believe and discuss in my literature that this is not true because of uh, the relevance of uncertainty, but definitely, if you think about uh, the long term, we know that uh, the prices uh, on Wall Street uh, do not really price uh, all elements about uh, the externality that corporate uh, generate uh, in their uh, corporate actions. So we might be pricing a few things about economy, but we're not really accounting for the impact we have uh, on the environment, uh, on society. So there's a huge blind spot in the definition of uh, the price. Uh, and the shift from share of the value to stakeholder value needs to correspond to an equal shift in the way we price companies and stock markets. So is this what you discuss when you talk about ESG and definition of uh, value in value co-metrics?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole adventure started uh, actually at the very first lockdown uh, when I realized that the the way we value companies uh, is not uh, uh, relevant anymore today because uh, the models that we are using are not integrating the ESG data. And in fact, as you just mentioned, uh, there is this uh, uh, tragedy of horizons, you know, between the long term that uh, sustainable companies bring value on the longer and medium term, while uh, shareholders want return on equity in the shorter um, term. Actually, so how can we, you know, solve uh, the equation? And uh, and so I started digging into um, the ESG world to 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 find solutions on how to realign. Uh, values with valuations, and 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 uh, we were faced with uh, different issues. The first issue is the the diversity of the uh, of opinions of different market players, uh, meaning that investors today they they um, they collect actually they buy the data from data providers and then they calculate their own ESG scores and they have their own opinion about the sustainability of a company and that is not captured. So uh, this is what we concretely do today. We try to capture the opinion of investors on the sustainability of the company. So uh, concretely, we we get the ESG scores under uh, NDA, and we anonymize them. We um, we normalize the data and we recreate the distribution. We provide analytics to investors, allowing them to benchmark themselves uh, with the with the market and to uh, and to also um, see how they uh, to better manage their their risk if they missed a controversy or so. We give also um, analytics to companies allowing them to see how they are perceived by uh, investors and how they could enhance uh, concretely their corporate and social responsibility strategies. And we use the data to do research on ESG integration. So uh, that is something we are setting with the Institute uh, Louis-Bachelier here and, and to find new models that do integrate ESG into valuations. Yeah. So, so, so
0: that's so the, the market. First. The market is always about, um, in essence, the narrative. We want the narrative to be well substantiated and to be transparent. So, what you're doing is uh, to find ways to elicit the effective opinion of investors, giving them the chance to compare themselves with something which is more objective, in a way to address their investment strategies, but also to provide feedback to the corporations for them to understand effectively what is going on in terms of uh, the market sentiment about their ESG effort so that they should be able to modify that to, to improve it uh, and consequently to become effectively more impactful. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Indeed, whole idea is to uh, bring more uh, transparency and engagement between investors and corporate, uh, both providing uh, insights and signals to investors and on the other side, providing feedback to corporates.
0: And have you already thought about uh, um, aggregating data, which come from the corporate themselves in terms of uh, understanding if uh, they put a uh, the money where the mouth is, so they effectively invest uh, in a way that is more uh, sustainable. When I say invest, I mean uh, corporate uh, activities, right? So the real impact in the supply chain, uh, the real impact on the environment, so on and so forth. Is this something that is also covered by value metrics or you might intend to cover in the future?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, the the way um, we we think about solving the the data issues because there are data issues on the on the corporate side. Uh, mainly, uh, corporates today are struggling with data collection and with uh, uh, monitoring uh, how. Uh, the impact of the different flows and operations that they do. The way we think about it is, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, is that um, w- we can have this like at a very big scale if we uh, introduce um, like um, a smart contract on, uh, on a CBDC that would be able to uh, measure at uh, with the... A contextual consensus and with the best we can as an ESG community today, the the ESG cost and uh, impact of one operation. So at a very granular level. Because today the issues with the, with the data at the company level, they're struggling to collect. When they collect, they don't do it uh, in a consistent and coherent way. They don't have the same resources to do this collection. Um, and also uh, we have ESG data that has six months delay compared to financial accounts. So basically we're not measuring, you know what happens today. We are measuring what happens a year and a half ago. while in order to be to have ESG properly integrated in, uh, in valuation models, we need to calculate the forward. We need to have predictive data.
0: Okay, so now you're saying the structure, which is about the data that enables to make different evaluations, needs to be supported uh, in a different way. So now you have uh, the possibility of uh, eliciting uh, the values across the population of investors uh, to let them uh, uh, benchmark themselves. Uh, You can provide insights to the corporate, but you want to make sure that all of these information flows, it becomes more instantaneous, uh, more uh, up-to-date, more actual. And therefore, you're thinking of uh, how to leverage uh, a DeFi uh, type of uh, implementations uh, or uh, central bank digital currencies or whatever different coin or token you want to use uh, in order to allow people not just to define value, but to share that value efficiently so that they can be effectively embedded inside modeling and decision-making, correct?
1: Yeah. In fact, so what, what we're doing today, uh, besides providing the analytics, is really federating the whole uh, ESG ecosystem in order uh, to decentralize it afterwards uh, on a on a blockchain, basically, um, the, and and to build like a collaborative intelligence that is able to assess at a granular level at an operational level the uh, the ESG cost and impact and other sustainability factors of one operation in in, uh, a consensual uh, in a consensual way and with the best uh, data and models and also the the scientifically most up-to-date
0: so let's say today ESG is uh, a marketplace that is about the regulators asking questions, corporate uh, communicating from the corporate uh, to the world of investors directional, activists screaming around uh, to get attention at the world level. But there's a lot of people around instead that is interested, is participating. So now you're thinking about a collaborative consensus uh, to make sure that ESG is traced uh, and verified uh, and shared, is that correct? Can you elaborate a bit more about this?
1: Yeah, so 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 basically, uh indeed, uh, the way it's happening today is that um, many people, many entities are working on ESG in in their corner and are and are trying to sell the data. And the idea is to create like a uh, a meta. Platform that is encapsulating all this ecosystem, and where we have um, the right governance, transparency, and incentive as well to contribute. And 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 this platform where we will have data providers, experts, scientists, um, asset managers, uh, who basically will uh, will assess the the ESG cost and impact of uh, any operation. So let's say, for example, you are. Um, like you are uh, building a cement factory in, uh, in Chad uh, in a region um, where it's not the same thing than building a cement factory in Europe. So so you need to um, assess within the, con- the the context of the operation so that you, you have comparable data and that you're able to, to, uh, to compare apples with apples and peers with peers. This is, this is the main problem with the data that we have today. It's not taken into account the the context of the operation. And so, because it's not granular and the granularity comes from really the operational level, but then we need consensus on that. Uh, And this is what uh, um, such an intelligence that is decentralized on the ecosystem can bring.
0: Okay. So ESG, investment transparency on collaborative consensus, Uh, distributed platforms. uh, That's basically what you're adding to the world uh, of capital markets. Now, Marem, your work uh, is a business work based on research. When can the audience of Breaking Banks Europe find out about your business uh, and your new research?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, about what we're doing now, so it's, uh, it's on uh, our website, it's uh, Value Cometrics, And for the research, we are uh, doing part of it on ourselves and part with the uh, Institut de Bachelier and also with um, the Technology for Change. Uh, yeah, and we're interested, of course, to collaborate with other institutes, so feel free to reach out.
0: Okay. Thank you very much for being a guest in this Breaking Banks Europe episode number 115. And we showed the best with your entrepreneurship journey.
1: Thank you, thank you. So
0: time. we now have a little break for a small commercial, but stay with us because in a few seconds we're back and we continue the conversation with Rami el the Secretary General of the Arab Federation of Capital Markets to discuss way more about the innovation in capital markets. Let's talk about the future of payments. Your Breaking Payments exclusive series is here and we are ready to showcase how FinTech has deconstructed the payments industry and is rebuilding it seamlessly as an embedded experience for the client. Stay tuned for new episodes every month on Breaking Banks Europe. Welcome back to episode 115 of Breaking Banks Europe, the European edition of Breaking Banks, the number one fintech podcast worldwide. Today, we're having a deep conversation on capital markets innovation. We heard all about ESG and decentralized finance from the very voice of Mariam Dabi, the founder and CEO of Value co And we now shifted the topic into a broader conversation around capital markets innovation with Rami L. Docani. Rami, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Rami, you're based in Beirut. That's where you call us from today. Yes, exactly. And you are the Secretary General of the Arab Federation of Capital Markets. Exactly. Tell us a bit about your workforce and uh, the uh, scope of the Federation.
2: Well, you can think of us as the industry association uh, in the region, we have under our umbrella, mostly all the Arab exchanges, the stock exchanges and commodity exchanges. We have a lot of clearing houses under our umbrella and a lot of participants uh, in the industry, stuff like commercial banks, investment banks, asset managers, fintechs coming on board. Uh, we do many things to our members. Basically, we're I think we're the only uh, institution in the region that actually aggregates the market data for the entire region and report it on weekly and monthly basis to all our members. We provide and subsidize trainings and capacity-building programs with top-tier providers in Europe and North America to our members in the Arab world. Uh, plus that we have a networking pool and uh, whether through our annual conferences, webinars, and stuff like that, where we would love to connect our members with uh, industry experts in different topics, uh, whether on panels or webinars like the one we're having today.
0: So, Rami, we just heard from uh, Mariam that there is uh, a blind spot on capital markets, uh, the way uh, stock exchanges work, not necessarily the fold of stock exchanges, but the models for the evaluation of prices uh, may not encompass uh, sufficiently the expectation of new investors uh, and broader society, which is about uh, the impact uh, on the environment, uh, on uh, social concerns uh, and the governance aspects. So... I want to start a conversation with you discussing your perspective about how trading platforms are evolving to account for these new type of expectations and and are they effectively capable of doing that? Do you see them across the board in your jurisdiction as well or is it just an American thing?
2: So let's think of capital markets as part of the entire financial services industry. So capital markets today, just remind you, with commercial banks 10 years back. uh, Although usually in this part of the industry, in capital markets should be much more innovative and tech enabled than any other part of the the financial services industry. you have a lot of old schools in, in 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 all of the capital markets, including in Europe, including in North America. So just like the evolution of fintechs starting 2010 or, or the crisis in 2008, now you're seeing a lot of new uh, requirements by the market, let's put it this way, especially after the pandemic in 2020. And it was a key changer, especially on the topic of ESGs. It has raised a uh, humongous interest among international investors. Uh, the AOMs into ESG funds have become humongously huge. This uh, pushed us as AFCM actually to uh, publish and establish the first Pan Arab ESG index, a low carbon index for the entire region. It consists of almost eight countries with 40 companies. And I would like to second Mariam on her uh, concern and the problem that all the companies and rating agencies have problem with data collection, ratings and different methodologies. There is no unified methodology to do all of that. Uh, But going back to the point that you have raised that there are a lot of concerns uh, by the new investor, the younger generations, they want to be more uh, concerned with the environment, they want to be concerned with governance, they want to be concerned Uh, concerned with everything that is actually provides good values and ethics, and they're willing to put money into that. However, the stock markets today are only appealing to older generations, uh, usually wealthier individuals, especially in this part of the world. So you do not see an average Arab citizen investing into the stock exchanges. So you have to find them as uh, sophisticated individuals or older individuals who are retiring and they're playing with some of their money. this allows a lot of problems. So you you name it from onboarding and KYC, uh, providing different products on different platforms easing up the trading process Mm -hmm. itself with no complications in terms of fees and commissions and stamp duties and taxes and all of that. So all of that in a nutshell will definitely push away your investors into a different type of products where we have seen the crypto markets are picking up like crazy because they were smarter in attracting and less regulated in attracted uh, these investors and these consumers to their marketplaces. And these assets are uh, going to the roof, as we speak.
0: So I would say that across the spectrum of all generations, the uh, older generations, we are seeing uh, the rise of uh, new expectations uh, about uh, how to invest and where to invest. So on one side, we have... Uh, values uh, that wants to be reflected uh, in accessing capital markets. And on the other side, we have assets uh, which are uh, shielded from uh, easy access uh, on capital markets that can now be made accessible with the usage of technology. And definitely capital markets institutions have always been at the forefront of technology innovation since uh, they appear they, in a bank. The capital markets is typically the center of, uh, of advanced technology. So, how do you see the role of fintech uh, in order to allow access to these new pots of uh, opportunities, uh, these new liquidity um, funds, for example, and how can you channel them in a way that, that the old market is uh, continuously True. operating uh, uh, to the benefit of investors?
2: True. First of all, you need to widen. The, the the base or the investor's base in, in, in the market. So you have to be more inclusive and allow including more younger generations in that place. So definitely if the onboarding process today is hideous, uh, long and takes a lot of paperwork, especially in this part of the world, uh, that would definitely push away any younger investor who want to put some money in. So we do not have a proper eKYC or digital KYC Solutions in the place that are well regulated. We have seen trials, a lot of trials in the market in the GCC and Egypt, for example, and are liked by the regulators. However, they're still not uh, 100% mm-hmm. uh, com- working and on starting to onboard. Uh, definitely, sharing the KYC is another part of the dilemma. So, if you want to uh, open another account at a different broker or a different financial institution, you have to go through the process. Again, and uh, saying that, that makes no sense because at the end of the day, the KYC data are the same among all uh, financial institutions. So company A will not gather different information than company B. So uh, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that all these financial institutions upon the customer request can share the data if he wants to open multiple accounts or to uh, benefit from certain products at different financial institutions. So this is one area, definitely. So widening the, the, the investor's base is uh, is key. Uh, so the second
0: point, I, sure. No, just to make a comment about it, I want to interrupt you. Um, yes. Now, you're saying that KYC is a, a relevant process. It is a strategic process, but it's an industry-wide process. So sharing the data for a better KYC would benefit all institutions. So it's something that could be, should be federated in order to allow uh, a broader and more secure access to capital markets, correct?
2: Very true, very true. So second point. The second point, basically, that you have to be a little bit more innovative when it comes to the t- trading platforms and trading strategies that, uh, that you're doing. The younger generations are uh, hip with Spotify and Netflix. So they're very well hooked up with uh, the commission-free trading strategies and uh, a monthly subscription, even if they do not actually use the product itself. So uh, we have seen trials in this part of the world and every startup that comes to me and knocks my door, I always tell them, how much are you versus Netflix? So if uh, if it's around the $10 that you put every month in Netflix, then you're safe. But if you're going to tell people that you have to pay $1,000, no one will come to you. So you have to make it a little bit more appealing for younger generations, cheaper in a way, and be smarter in the way you're doing business and generating revenue. You do not need always to have a commission-based trading strategy in place. Uh, uh, The third point that I would like to tackle is unlocking the liquidity in the markets. And especially in this part of the world or inflationary markets, every... All investors love real estate, and they lock too much liquidity into real estate assets. And the problem with real estate assets are big tickets. You cannot liquidate easily. You cannot have, in many countries, you cannot have partial ownership or multiple ownership for the same asset. So what's happening now that we'd love to see tokenizing these assets uh, on the stock markets in order to allow investors, smaller investors, to put some money into real estate, which is doing fantastic returns versus other uh, investment uh, instruments in the markets. However, because of the big tickets, it's a showstopper for everyone. So I would
0: say for the second point, um, broadening the access to capital markets is absolutely welcome and beneficial. It actually requires uh, also a sense of uh, responsibility in front of uh, younger generation that may to be Fully financially educated, uh, uh, there are also uh, in, uh, needs of ontological transparency in terms of how revenues are generated. If there are commissions, uh, we saw some of examples in the U.S. markets that were not always uh, um, well, well, well posed and well commented on. Um, but definitely, the fact that, that the access is changing. Uh, needs to be addressed by technology and that also involves uh, the tokenization aspects because uh, being capable of sharing uh, access to illiquid assets which are in great demand might generate uh, more uh, liquidity around the trading of those assets uh, which then benefits the retail investors in the very end so this is a clear trend uh, and i see that this is uh, across the globe uh, one of uh, the most interesting aspects of the tokenization efforts on capital markets. Um, What do you think is uh, uh, the most interesting things you've been seeing uh, in the region in terms of uh, capital markets transformation? Is there anything that you want to quote uh, as an example?
2: We have seen a lot of good trials when it comes to robot advisory and AI in the region. And there's uh, interesting trials that I'm personally involved in. And I would say that it could evolve into better Uh, startups very soon Uh, especially in the GCC area where it's becoming a startup hub and uh, the ecosystem is encouraging everyone to move in so we're seeing a lot of uh, European based solutions into this part of the world trying to get license and all of that. The second part we've seen good solutions for the tokenization of physical assets, we're working with startups in Canada on that and we're hosting them into, we have our annual conference in, in by the end of March. And we have dedicated like five slots for different startups, tech startups, to just showcase their solutions to the public. Uh, so we have that one also on board uh, for showcasing. So there's a also lot of happened. happening. Okay. Is your annual conference online, in person? It's virtual. It is virtual so we'll make sure that we'll send you the the links and invitation so can people find the
0: information on the afcm website
2: huh? on the- exactly arabexchanges.arab-exchanges.org you will find uh, the conference pages and you can register there okay and that is at the end of march the
0: 29th and 30th of march exactly okay that's truly interesting so invite everyone that's in the
2: Bank banks europe to check the website and to register so please sure. do yeah. we have a fantastic uh fantastic panels for fintechs and tech uh panels so i'm sure you'll enjoy uh, hearing from them
0: so absolutely so then um rami thanks for uh, participating to breaking banks europe uh, this episode where our team was dedicated to capital markets innovation and i'm sure our audience appreciated and enjoyed uh, your point of view and the discussion around uh, broadening of access to capital markets for younger generations and the needed KYC Federation, as well as the tokenization of new investment opportunities, especially in the domain of real estate. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. And I take the chance to thank the audience of Breaking Banks Europe. This was episode 115. Keep on following us on your preferred platform, and this is a wrap.